Brothers and sisters, welcome to the LDS Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, coming at you uh, a little bit late in the week. I uh, wound up having some, uh, doing in my preparations, right? We had Monday off, and me and the wife wound up doing a lot of uh, prepping and actually doing some yard work, getting some garden stuff ready, you know, just trying to do everything that we can to be as prepared as we can. Because as you know, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. So in doing that, I wound up uh, aggravating an old lower back injury. And uh, we were cutting down trees and just doing some things like that. And I wound up tweaking my lower back a little bit, so I had to kind of take it easy. Wound up having to push the podcast out a little bit, so I appreciate y'all uh, understanding and, and uh, being patient with me. But I will go ahead and release the podcast uh, along with the midweek spiritual boost at the same time. Give you guys something to chew on uh, spiritually as well as mentally. And uh, I'm excited for this one because this one has... Um, it ties directly, and I've taken a lot of stuff kind of directly from the midweek spiritual boost from uh, President Marion G. Romney. And, um, of course, I've added my own stuff to it. You know, put my own spin on a lot of this stuff, but I, I think that it's very important for us to talk about this subject, to address some things head-on, and to just kind of dig in a little bit. Um, there's been a lot of um, a lot of weird LDS uh, people rising to prominence lately, and they they wind up, you know, they're educated people in some cases. In some cases, they're just people just like me, you know, and uh, and a lot of them have have gifts for public speaking. They have gifts of various kinds, and they wind up using these gifts um, to lead members of the church away from the brethren. Now, as we know, uh, brothers and sisters, if you wanted to get somebody to apostatize from the church, or if I wanted to get somebody to fall spiritually, what I would do is I would try to separate them and to attack their confidence in uh, the prophet, the first presidency, the quorum of the twelve, right? I would start with that foundation. Going back to Second Thessalonians, right? The foundation that Christ has set up himself with, uh, you know, teachers, priests, right? All of that stuff, prophets, apostles, okay? Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. If I wanted to get people away from ultimately Christ, I would start with that foundation and get them away from the brethren under the guise of making them think that they were more strictly adhering to Christ, right? Um, you see this tactic in Christendom as a whole, even in going into a lot of the uh, uh, same-sex marriage and stuff like that, utilizing Christ as, well, Christ loved everybody, and it's like, yes, he did love everybody. That doesn't mean that he approves of uh, a sinful life or sinful choices, right? He's going to love everybody. Like, you don't think he loved so the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? 
just as much as he loves, you know, president of the church, the Coma of the Twelve Apostles, of course he does. That has nothing to do with it. He can't look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, right? That's what it comes down to. And there are, you know, there's a, uh, <laughs> there's a guy I listen to, his name's Tim Poole. And uh, he has a saying, a phrase that I absolutely love. And the phrase is, you know, when you when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, it's so applicable to today. It's not even funny. But today we are going to talk about a lot of that stuff, and we're going to talk about about our choices that we have before us right now, right? Now, my my audience. Um, Feels weird to say that, but I guess I guess I could I consider you guys my audience. You guys listen to me ramble on, right? Um, we we're worldwide, right? I've got a lot of listeners that um, that are not from the United States. I do have a lot of listeners in the United States, but I got a lot who are not in the United States. And the one thing that that ties us and binds us together is the fact that we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are trying and striving to not be cultural uh, Mormons, right? We are actually trying to be followers of Jesus Christ, a.k.a. also known as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? We have many choices before us, brothers and sisters, we have we have a lot of choices before us and we we are beset with many many people who may not outwardly call themselves false prophets but are indeed false prophets false teachers right and what's interesting enough is that a lot of these people are coming from our own membership, our own church membership. Some of these people have temple recommends, right? Now, some of these people, they used to be in that camp, but they have since been excommunicated from the church. Um, and when they were excommunicated, they wound up taking a, a percentage, a small percentage of the church with them. This I've watched this happen for, oh shoot, probably since 2010, 2012, something like that. From when I really got into, got into looking into the last days and in looking into where we are. You know, I, I remember I received a prompting probably in about 2010 to start preparing, to start really getting serious and trying to clean up my, my spiritual life and to not just do this thing as a culture, right? Not to just do this for the heck of it or because it's a great way to raise my family, but because it's true, right? And if it's true, that, that means some, some things, right? There's some stuff that goes along with that. Um... I've watched this happen since about that time. And every single time, they will come out, and it's like a snake in the grass. You can't see it coming. 
these people will they'll whisper stuff that's basically it's straight up in line. They'll quote prophets, they'll quote apostles. You know what I mean? They'll come out and it'll be pretty good, and then they'll have their own spin on something, right? They'll say, uh, oh, and there's going to be a meteor, right? It when, it when it talks about wormwood in Revelations, it's referring to a meteorite, or it's, it's talking about a nuclear missile, right? That's what wormwood is. I'm using this as an example, okay? No, I, I'm not going to tell you what wormwood is. I have no idea. I haven't looked into it that closely yet, and frankly, it doesn't super matter. But, okay, beside the point, they will take and they'll put their own spin on something to get you to bite. And usually it's something that's intriguing, it's interesting, um, you know, it, it tickles the intellect a little bit, and and it's 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 very fantastical. It's it's out there, right? Um, people will bite on that, and then pretty soon you're allowing these guys to interpret the scriptures for you. You'll wind up going to to them to see what things mean, and you'll go. You won't even worry about going to the scriptures anymore. And pretty soon, they are they have become and replaced the prophet in your mind. And eventually, it's funny how it works out because eventually they'll stop. Like it's a slow progression. They'll stop quoting prophets and quoting apostles. They'll stop. Um, going and using those official sources, and they'll start, you know, using other things. And pretty soon, they'll they'll start to say, "Well, you just got to think about it logically." And then pretty soon, they've been excommunicated from the church, and they are speaking out against the brethren and talking about how the church is, you know, is is false, and even going back to Joseph Smith and stuff like that. It's I've I've I'm I have specific examples in mind, but I'm not going to name them because. I don't want to give them the time of day, right? And I followed these people as well. And I'm glad that I did because I have some experience under my belt now with people like this. And and I now know what to look for, right? I, I, I'm, a, I'm an older, wiser Alan now. Something that I have been blessed with in my life is to know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is indeed what it claims to be, the foundation uh, that Christ set up when he was on the earth in, during his earthly ministry. Right, he, he built his foundation on prophets, apostles, teachers, priests, evangelists, so forth, right? He created this church administration and organization when he was on the earth, and then he gave them authority, right? He gave them authority to act in his name, in the name of the Father as well. I'm talking about priesthood authority. Um, it, it's funny because logically you can go in and you can look at a lot of this stuff, and you can see that it's like, look, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of churches out there, but which ones claim to have that same authority by the laying on of hands, right? 
there's not a whole lot out there. There's not a whole lot that have 12 apostles that that claim to have a prophet, okay? that It really narrows it down when you start to really use the criteria that is there. I've been blessed to know, you know, my entire life and for it to never really be a question for me that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is indeed the true church restored upon the earth. It is the latest iteration of what Jesus Christ, uh, also known as the Great Jehovah, right, has established since the days of Adam. And that, that was something I didn't realize until maybe the last... Oh, shoot. Last couple of years, we'll say. I, I took that for granted. You know what I mean? I didn't count that as being a spiritual gift. And I, 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 I believe it is. I think it is. Because that has seemed to be a, a spiritual superpower through these last couple... Probably last two years, really. It's one of those things that has kept me and saved me from adhering to a lot of these false teachers. Because like I say, you know, a lot of the stuff that they talk about, a lot of the stuff that they, that they bring up is this, it's fantastical, it, it, it tickles the intellect, it, it's, it's enjoyable to listen to, right? It's fun stuff that you're not going to hear from the, the church pulpit. And we need to watch out for stuff like that. We need to really be careful about stuff like that. You know, it's some people don't have that gift. Some people, they have to kind of come back and they have to cast their minds on when they followed Moroni's promise, right? And I, and I do that as well. But there's just something inside of me that has known that this church is true since I can first remember. I just, I know it's true. You know, there's something inside of me that that clings to it, that knows that there's something there, right? And I've shared with you guys my my basic training story. You know, being able to to go to a a LDS church on post in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and being able to experience the exact same doctrine, the exact same spirit, right, that I have experienced in in my home. Um, since when I was a kid and to now, when, now that I am the parent, right? It really is incredible. And it's also sad at the same time that we have so many people falling to these false teachers, right? Now, I'm not going to name any of these false teachers. I think I have before. I've named one. Um, there are prominent people that have started out LDS that are now no longer LDS, and some of them are LDS, but they are preaching false doctrine, straight up. And the gullibility of some of our membership is disheartening, because in some cases, especially the ones that I have been talking about lately, uh, shout out to, uh, to Eula Berry and to Tyson, Right, we we were uh, we were talking about some of this stuff through text messages, and 
and it really is disheartening to see how easy it is for a lot of these people. They don't have to try. They don't even have to be clever about it, right? They just have to tell you what you want to hear in some cases. Or at least what some people want to hear, right? And it directly conflicts with what the brethren have said directly. It's not even not even a question. But because they maybe hold a degree in something, uh, you know, that that wisdom of the world, that learning of the world gives them some some degree of clout. And people in our church will wind up following that because it tickles the intellect, it tickles the ears. You you want to believe it, so you choose to believe it, right? Which leads us into today's topic, which I will call Choose Ye This Day, right? We have a choice before us, brothers and sisters, at this time to choose to accept or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the same choice that we as missionaries right? We extend to non-members who are investigating the church, right? Our investigators. We are giving them the opportunity to accept or reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do this on the other side of the veil also, uh, with the missionary program that Christ set up during his three days, um, being separated from his, his earthly tabernacle. Uh, waiting for the resurrection, he immediately went and set up the missionary program, and the righteous spirits were sent to preach to the um, not-so-righteous spirits, right, in spirit prison. That choice is ever-present. It doesn't just go away after you accept the gospel, right? It's there all the time. It's funny. It reminds me. I had a seminary teacher, Brother Bowley. A huge, huge influence on my life. And he um, he also was an army guy as well. But he... I remember him talking about stuff like that. I remember him, him mentioning these things. You know, saying, look... Just because you make it to marriage... To your temple marriage, you know, he's like, you, you, you guys in your minds right now are thinking that once you get there, you just kind of have to coast, right? You serve your mission, get married in the temple, you've made it. You're just basically on a waiting list to get into the celestial kingdom, <laughs> right? And such is not the case as we, we grow up and we figure out, right? Get a little bit of experience under our, a little life experience under our belt. You know, really, I think in most cases, it's like it's like you're running the gauntlet, really, the spiritual gauntlet. It's like once you get there, yeah, that's that's huge. That's awesome. That's a milestone for sure. But it's like now the enduring to the end part really starts, right? There is danger around every corner. There really is. Uh, you know, through through pornography, through um, infidelity, through apostasy, whatever, whatever the case is, right? All of our favorite sins. We have to ever be vigilant. 
we have to ever be careful. You know, because these Satan lieth in, at the door, right? He desires to have us. I wrote down a couple scriptures here. Um, I want to take us through DNC section one, and I know I've quoted a couple verses from there, but I want to I want to paint a picture for you guys with with having the choosy this day question posed to you, right? Let's go to DNC section one, verse twelve, and I've got a couple quotes from Marion G. Romney I'll toss in here as well. DNC section 1, verse 12, Prepare ye, prepare ye for that which is to come, for the Lord is nigh. Okay, Lord's coming. 13, And the anger of the Lord is kindled, and his sword is bathed in heaven, and it shall fall upon the inhabitants of the earth. And the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, and the day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles, shall be cut off from among the people. For they have strayed from mine ordinances, and have broken mine everlasting covenant. Okay, I want to stop right there, and I want to impress that verse 15 again upon your mind. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. For they have strayed from mine ordinances, and have broken mine everlasting covenant. Uh, brothers and sisters, I think a lot of times when we read this stuff, we think about the great apostasy during Christ's time, right? And that is absolutely correct. There was obviously a great apostasy. That's why we know about it. If you go up to the, the heading in DNC section 1, uh, right before it talks about... Um, Verses 8 and 16, 8 through 16, okay, or excuse me, right after, in the heading, verses 8 and 16, apostasy and wickedness precede the second coming. Apostasy and wickedness precede the second coming. Okay? This is talking about us and our time. Okay? When we, when we talk about these members of the church, these people who were members and these people who are members who are speaking out against the brethren and ultimately against the Lord, creating their own doctrine, right? This is a direct fulfillment of verse 15. And, well, 14 and 15, really. Okay. They are not giving heed to the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants. They're not giving heed to the prophets and apostles, and they shall be cut off from among the people. Okay? For what reason? Verse 15, they have strayed from the Lord's ordinances and have broken his everlasting covenant. Okay, let's go to verse 17. Wherefore I, the Lord, knowing the calamity which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, called upon my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., and spake unto him from heaven, and gave him commandments. Okay? The Lord knows what's coming. He knows about this apostasy. Okay? He's, he's talking about it. 
and because he knew what was going to happen, okay, he provided us with the church, with the gospel. Okay, it's very, very, very important that we understand this stuff. Because those who don't are being swept. They're being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and they're giving in to seducing spirits. They're giving in to the doctrine of devils. Okay. Let's go to verse 18. And also gave commandments to others that they should proclaim these things unto the world. And all this that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophets. The weak things of the world shall come forth and break down the mighty and strong ones. That man should not counsel his fellow man, neither trust in the arm of flesh. Huh. That's pretty interesting in verse 19, isn't it? That man should not counsel his fellow man neither trust in the arm of flesh. When we forsake the counsel of the Lord by not adhering to the prophet or his, the Lord's apostles, when we do that and yet we will take people that profess to have dreams about the time preceding the second coming, Talking about, you know, having visions of tent cities, having visions of fantastical things that tickle the, the, the imagination and the intellect, right? But that have no real basis in anything other than this person's mouth. Or perhaps, if they're not lazy, they mingle it with some scripture, right? In that moment, brothers and sisters, we have man counseling his fellow man. We are trusting in the arm of flesh. It's a very dangerous, suicidal, spiritual suicidal path to take. And, you know, this, this podcast is to those who are on the fence. This, is, this podcast is to those who know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and has called Joseph Smith to be his restorer, right, in this last dispensation. And so I speak to you using that, that common knowledge, right? The Lord has said that he will not take, like the church will not be taken again from the earth. And there will indeed be apostasy, and we are watching that happen before our very eyes right now. Yet some people will take this information and they'll twist it and say, oh, that means that the prophet and twelve are going to apostatize. It's like, okay, so so you are going to be immune to that you're going to know what to do you're going to have that prophetic guidance yourself to be able to survive that day it, it sorry it just doesn't work you know we go back to the great apostasy to when the the 12 apostles were 
eventually hunted down, right? And John obviously banished. They couldn't kill him, so they banished him to the Isle of Patmos. The, the voice of the apostles was taken. The voice of the prophet was taken from the earth at that time. You don't think that there were good saints during that time who held the priesthood, who perhaps were bishops or the equivalent of state presidents? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's people there during that time that were... <laughs> They're more righteous than you, bro. <laughs> sorry. That's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles, right? I'm sorry. It's just it's how it is. You're telling me that those guys who were who were, you know, not addicted to to phones, who worked really hard for a living, who were so dedicated to Christ that they were willing to go and, and face the Colosseum or to be lit up as a Roman candle. All sorts of other really messed up stuff that happened to them. They, Many of those people sealed their testimony with their blood. But you're telling me that there wasn't somebody there who was just as spiritual as you? And yet we still had the great apostasy? There's a reason why I harp on this stuff, brothers and sisters. If we are separated from the Lord's mouthpiece and from his foundation, we will fall. We will stumble. We are no stronger than our ancestors and those who came before us in that regard. That's why they stumbled. We're talking about probably some of the most spiritual strong giants that have ever existed. Those of our ancestors, you know, that, that were Puritans, that were pilgrims, that, you know what I mean, that belonged to, to Quakers and, you know, the Protestant religions who came over to America. And even if they didn't, you know what I mean? These people were very, very faithful to Christ. But they couldn't fully worship Christ, they couldn't fully understand the nature of God because of apostasy. Ultimately, because there wasn't a mouthpiece on the earth to receive revelation from the great Jehovah, from Jesus Christ. Having twelve apostles, having that, that foundation, and not just that foundation, but having the authority to teach, to preach, to administer the ordinances of salvation, not in a willy-nilly way, but in a in a organized, you know, in a, a very thoughtful, thought-out, prepared way. That's the way it's supposed to be done. It's not done the way that we feel or think it should be done. It's done according to Christ's way. That's why it's so important. And I tried, like, I, I really tried not to, I'm not trying to be judgmental, because there are things that I struggle with that probably everybody else thinks is easy, you know what I'm saying? And this one, to me, is a no-brainer. It really is. This, this is not difficult to understand. If you have accepted 
that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God and that the Book of Mormon is indeed another testament of Jesus Christ and contains the records and the covenants that Christ has made, even, even appearing as a resurrected Savior to the Nephite nation, right? And giving us many, many plain and precious things that help us to understand the nature of God, that help us to understand even more fully the church administration, the church organization, right? The priesthood. If we accept those things, then this stuff is elementary, dear Watson, right? As Sherlock would say. But, you know, obviously we, our brothers and sisters are struggling. They're struggling with this and they're stumbling. Okay, I'm going to go back here to DNC. But that everyone might speak in the name of God the Lord, even the Savior of the world. Okay, you can't just do that. You have to have authority to do that. You have to have His authority to do that. Verse 21, That faith also might increase in the earth, that mine everlasting covenant might be established. Okay, the fact that we are a worldwide organization, the fact that my audience, you guys, my brothers and sisters, we are worldwide, okay? It's not exclusive to just this land right, is a testament to what we are reading here. Verse 23, that the fullness of my gospel might be proclaimed by the weak and the simple unto the ends of the world and before kings and rulers. Behold, I am God, and have spoken it. These commandments are of me, and were given unto my servants in, in their weakness after the manner of their language, that they might come to understanding. Okay, this is plain and precious here, guys. Yeah, we are. The, the, the prophet and apostles, down, down to us. Like, if those guys are weak, then I don't even know what, I wouldn't want to know what I am, where I, I measure up on that scale. Okay, I'm not even going to think about it. But, we have here the Lord... Okay, God, Jehovah, is taking ownership of these commandments. He's taking ownership of the things that are being proclaimed by the prophet and apostles. Okay, he's, he's made it very clear. He's like, look, I even dumbed it down using your language so that there'd be no misunderstanding me here. Okay, go to verse 34 now. And again, verily I say unto you, O inhabitants of the earth, I, the Lord, am willing to make these things known unto all flesh. This stuff's for everybody. 35. For I am no respecter of persons, and will that men shall know that the day speedily cometh, the hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand, when peace shall be taken from the earth, and the devil shall have power over his own dominion. Boy, that kind of hits home right now, doesn't it? As we're on the brink of a possible World War III. <laughs> you know, peace is definitely seeming like it's going to be in short supply here pretty soon. 
verse 36. Now, or excuse me, let me cover this one last thing here. It talks about the devil shall have power over his own dominion. Okay, keep that in the back of your mind as we go forward here. Verse 36. And also the Lord shall have power over his saints and shall reign in their midst and shall come down in judgment upon Idumia or the world. Okay. Here we have a clear distinction. Okay, peace will be taken from the earth. The devil shall have power over his own dominion. However, the Lord shall have power over his saints and shall reign in their midst and shall come down in judgment upon the world. Okay, we've got some wheat and tares going on here, don't we? This is really painting a very clear picture here, guys, as, as we... As we study this stuff here, as we read this, and we do so with with the correct lenses on, right? We see that the Lord, He does not do things through disorder, okay? He sets up, up His foundation for a reason, and He rules, and He administers from on high to us in our weakness, okay? And He uses His prophet, His mouthpiece, and His apostles to get the word out. As I read verse 35 and 36, I want to be, I want the Lord to have power over me. Okay, I want to choose to have the Lord have power over me as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I want Him to reign in my midst. Okay, I want Him to come down in judgment on the world. I'm sick of the world. I'm sick of a lot of the nasty, gross stuff that we have to hear about and put up with. Things that our little children have to endure worldwide because of wicked, evil men. Let's go to verse 38. What I, the Lord, have spoken, I have spoken, and I excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away, but shall all be fulfilled, whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. For behold, and lo, the Lord is God, and the Spirit beareth record, and the record is true, and the truth abideth for ever and ever. Amen. That is a powerful a very powerful testimony and and claiming of ownership over this Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The church that bears his name, he owns it. It's his. It is not run by a bunch of 65-year-old plus perverts, okay? It's run by Christ actively, not passively, actively. The brethren do things according to his will, not theirs. People are very, very clever. People have different spiritual gifts that they have. They, they, they have many different gifts. 
public speaking, confidence, do you know what I'm saying? Like they, there's a lot of things like this that people have naturally. And when they think that they know better, right? They want to become a prophet unto themselves. I don't want to have somebody else tell me what to do. It's, it's, it's a rebellious spirit. Let's go to Joshua 24.15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That first part really... Uh, struck, struck a chord in the context of what we've been talking about as we have people who as we have people who want to dissuade us who want to corrupt and stray away from the everlasting ordinances that Christ has commanded to be restored through Joseph Smith and that continue to be upheld by his prophets. Okay. The fact that people will choose to come up with their own version of Christ, that we who belong to the LDS Church will come up with something more palatable for today's standards, ones that fit with what we, uh, the intellect intellectuals of the world think uh what would be better suited to our day right when we go away from this stuff this question should be in the forefront of their minds and it should cross everybody's mind daily and if it seem evil unto you to serve the lord choose you this day whom you will serve does it seem evil for you to to serve the Lord? Does it seem evil for you to sustain a prophet and apostles? Does it seem evil for you to to sustain a marriage between man and a woman? That it is the only form of marriage which is a religious ceremony that is ordained by God? Okay, we're getting into some questions of the day, aren't we? Does it seem evil for you that um, it is better for a household, for a mother to stay home and to care for the children and to be the primary uh, person responsible in a husband and wife relationship for the rearing of the children as the husband is the one who goes to work? Is that, is that uh, evil to you? Does that sound evil to you? Because that was all stuff that is put out by the Lord through his apostles and his prophets. Or do you know better? Okay. I find it interesting. There's some stuff here in, in Joshua 24, 15 that on the surface you won't pick up on, but when you read it, 
with that kind of context in mind, especially where he says, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. Okay? The thing about, about the opposition, the thing about uh, Lucifer, Satan, right? Is that his doctrine is very malleable. His doctrine is very much a chameleon, okay? What is palatable to one civilization in one age is going to be extraordinarily different than what would be palatable to, let's say, today's day and age. Although I think we're getting, we're getting closer back to a lot of that ancient stuff. The, the gods, quote-unquote, gods with the small g, that your fathers served on the other side of the flood, they were different, right? They were, they were different. There's a different doctrine there. However, it all stands in opposition to Christ. It all stands in op opposition to there being a Christ, at least the correct iteration of it. Okay? The Amorites... Uh, they had a doctrine that was tailored to the, ch the children of Israel, okay? Because it was, it was very close in some of the pillars of the religion, okay? Very close. Even down to there being a, a, a savior type of being, okay? However, once you obviously get to a lot of the religious rites and realize how sexual they were and how, how perverse they were and stuff like that, like it's obviously there's it's night and day. But on the surface, if they had missionaries, if the Amorites had missionaries, okay, they wouldn't lead with that stuff. They'd lead with the similarities first. Okay. And at first glance it wouldn't be all that different wouldn't be all that bad they'd probably have a lot of great points because they were so close to what the israelites had already believed anyway we need to be extremely careful brothers and sisters because that snake in the grass is extremely hard to spot sometimes uh so with that joshua twenty four fifteen in mind let me read a, a quote by president marion g romney my purpose in this message is to emphasize the fact that this life is, for us mortals, a day of decisions, and to point out the need for us to make the right choices and to make them now. The earth was made and man placed upon it for this purpose. That middle ground... Uh, that gray area that some members of the church are uh, hiding in, right? That is disappearing. There's been numerous prophets and apostles, especially the last little bit, that have mentioned that same fact, that have said that in probably much better ways than how I'm putting it here. But the fact remains, right? The middle ground, the fence-sitters that area, that comfortable area where you can just hang out and not choose and not cause waves is disappearing. 
It's time to choose. It's time for us to choose. Not be wishy-washy about it either. Uh, let's go to Moses 5.13. This is another great scripture and another great point. And Satan came among them, saying, I am also a son of God. And he commanded them, saying, Believe it not. And they believed it not, and they loved Satan more than God, and men began from that time forth to be carnal, sensual, and devilish. Now what did, what did, uh, who's it talking about here? Okay, who's it talking about? Let me give you some background. He's talking to, Lucifer is, is appearing and speaking to the children of Adam. Okay, and he commanded them saying, believe it not. He's saying, don't believe the gospel that your parents, Adam and Eve, are teaching you. And notice how he introduces himself. He says, hey, I am also a son of God. Okay? Anybody who's been through the temple, you can make some parallels here. Satan, Lucifer, okay, not only did he, he come among them, but he appeared as an angel of light. Now, he's not appearing to a bunch of dummies, right? He's not he's not appearing to to people that are just ultra ignorant or anything like that. I'd say these guys were were probably extraordinarily intelligent. I don't think we give Adam and Eve and their children enough enough credit for how intelligent they actually were. Not only did they actually live to be almost a thousand years old, right? But Adam, he was tutored by Jehovah. That's why when you read the scriptures, you see that they're like, oh, uh, and Adam, you know, and his, and Eve begat so-and-so who just so happened to go out and immediately build a city. Uh, they begat so-and-so who immediately knew how to, how to, uh, uh, how to compose music, right? Like there's some weird little things that, that are on the surface you won't catch, but when you actually look at it, when you read it, when you consume those scriptures, you see that, like, oh, oh my gosh, these guys went out and immediately started building a city. They immediately went out and they all of a sudden started busting out harps and music and composing, you know, composing actual music. When we go through and we can find all of these, all of these ancient, ancient, ancient cities, we understand that they understood extraordinarily high math. Okay, there's cities buried in the oceans today that you can go and research. We have no idea how they lifted the stones that they lifted. No idea. No clue. Now, it's I bring that up because I think that every civilization thinks that they are so far advanced they're so far ahead they're so so much smarter than the previous generations before them right if satan was able to come among these people and appear as an angel of light okay and trick them these are people who were not strangers to the holy ghost 
These are people who are not strangers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people were taught directly from Adam who had walked and talked with God and who remembered it. Okay, Adam could literally tell you what Elohim looked like. He could literally tell you what Jehovah looked like. Okay. They are then given the second comforter because they're not able to be in the presence of God anymore when they, when they get cast out of the Garden of Eden. They teach their children the gospel probably in the most pure fashion, right? In an extraordinarily pure fashion for them. They had the gift of the Holy Ghost. They had the priesthood among them. They had that church organization among them. If you didn't think if you don't think they had that, they had it. I promise you they had it. God doesn't do things willy nilly, right? There was, I guarantee you, a church organization among them. And a lot of these same or these these arguments that they are coming up with here, a lot of these things things that come out against Adam, the prophet, who was their father also, right? Father, grandfather, great-grandfather, you know what I'm saying? You lived a long time back then, so these people all would reverence Adam as the prophet as well as the patriarch, the father. And yet this angel just came and said, Believe them not. Don't believe your parents. I am a son of God. Just like you guys. But look at me, I'm an angel of light, right? Then he start. he didn't lead with the carnal, sensual, devilish stuff. He led with that. The same thing is happening now. Exactly. We got people, LDS people, who have fallen away, whether they have officially fallen away or not. They have fallen away and they are beginning to lead members of the church into strange, dark and hidden paths that are leading them away from Christ. Let's go ahead and read another quote by Marion G. Romney here. Yeah, start wrapping up. I'm, I'm getting long-winded on this, but I'm, I'm passionate about this because I can see it happening to our people. Uh, this has been the pattern now for nearly 6,000 years. In each gospel dispensation, men have rejected the gospel and as a consequence have suck, sunk into apostasy, debauchery, and darkness. In each dispensation, the true nature of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost has been revealed anew. The fundamental principles and ordinances have also been revealed anew and emphasized. The importance of complying with gospel teaching has been stressed. The blessings that follow obedience to gospel teachings have been revealed, and the consequences of disobedience have always been foretold. The predictions have always been fulfilled.
I hope that this is painting a very clear picture for you, brothers and sisters. I hope that this is dispelling a lot of the a lot of the nonsense that is being preached from people with all of these worldly scholastic accolades. Go back and read the family proclamation. Okay, the church is not going to change its position on those items because they're not the church's position, they're Christ's position. We live in a time when I'm hearing members of the church say, well, they need to change that. Well, they need to change that. And it's like, look, number one, like, you have popes that are more conservative, you know what I mean? And who, like, are not more conservative. It doesn't work like that here. This is Christ's church. He does things his way. We're, I'm sorry, but we're never going to allow same-sex marriage to happen in our, in our temples and stuff like that. It's just not going to happen. It can't happen, right? And that's not to dog on, I'm using that as an example, it's not to dog on anybody, it just is the way it is. You know, the marriage is between man and a woman. Marriage is a religious ceremony. Adam and Eve. Second Chronicles 36.16 This will be the last scripture. This is one that I want you to Take in. Absorb this. Verse 16, But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Brothers and sisters, uh, we are walking a dangerous road. When we mock the messengers of God, when we despise their words, when we misuse the prophets, we are risking the wrath of the Lord against us. Okay, I'm talking about the LDS community here, let alone the world. Okay, they are connected, but I'm I'm applying this uh, to us as an LDS the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, us, till there was no remedy. That's pretty serious. That's very serious speech. If you don't have a remedy, you know what I'm saying? If you have cancer and there's no remedy, what happens? You die. Okay, this is not this is not idle speech here. I have chosen to raise my voice in support of obviously my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but I have chosen to raise my voice as I hope that I did in the pre-existence in the pre-earth life in support of Jesus Christ and His plan.
in support of his church organization, of his church administration. I don't want to lean to my own understanding. I don't want to lean to my own uh, doctrine. I want to lean on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to make that, I want to become one with that. I want to become one with others who want to become one with Christ. I can't do that by adhering to my own stuff. They can't do that by adhering to their own stuff. You, brothers and sisters, cannot do that by adhering to what you think is correct or right. We have the gospel, we have the scriptures laid before us, and when we read them with the Spirit, this stuff becomes elementary, dear Watson, right? It's a no-brainer. Of course, of course we're supposed to listen to the prophet. Of course we're supposed to listen to the twelve apostles. Of course we're supposed to give heed to those who are given authority priesthood authority, right? These men that we're speaking of. And I, I always hear, well, well, what if your bishop asks you to cheat on your wife? Okay, that's a pretty obvious, you know what I'm saying? We shouldn't even have to talk about that. Come on, come on, <laughs> right? You can obviously know when something is amiss, Okay. We're losing people, and we're going to lose people. There's going to be an apostasy. The church is going to shed memberships. I promise you. That's not prophetic. That's from me looking around and seeing what's happening right now. Okay, back in 2015, when same-sex uh, marriage was ratified, we lost memberships because we would not allow marriage to happen in the temple. And if we did not support that, right, a bunch of members of the church said, if you, if, Prophet, if you guys don't support this, we're out. Guess what? We lost members. We're going to continue to do so because the doctrines of the world, as they change, as they go away from a Judeo-Christian worldview into a very evil, um, demonic, Luciferian doctrine, possibly mingled with scripture, right? Um, a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of socialist and communist um, stuff that is doctrines of devils as well. As that stuff grows in popularity, it will become increasingly unpopular to adhere to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been like that ever since the beginning of time. We have just been enjoying some protection from our modern-day Enlightenment age, right? Brothers and sisters, I say it in every single description box of anything that I put out. I say, hold to the rod.
Do not go into strange, forbidden paths. Do not allow the mockers in the great and spacious building who are having riotous living, food, drink, all that jazz, okay? Do not allow them to take you from the covenant path. It's okay to become a, a peculiar person. You're in good company with the rest of us peculiar people, right? I don't have to defend the prophet. I don't have to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will do that himself. What I'm doing is raising my voice, hopefully as a voice of reason, from someone who is around your age, maybe older, maybe younger, I don't know. Someone who is in your generation, who sees what's going on, who is just a regular dude. But I know in my heart that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. I know that Joseph Smith was called of God as a prophet to restore the church of Jesus Christ again on the earth. I know that there is an unbroken line of prophets since him to now President Nelson. That authority is intact. Those everlasting ordinances are intact. And when members of the church think that they know better when they adhere to the doctrine of devils or seducing spirits, which, as we have demonstrated from Scripture, from Moses, can be extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily convincing. They are the ones who break the everlasting covenant. They are the ones who will cause apostasy and heartache. And there will come a time when, if you follow that doctrine, you will rue the day. There will come a time when all of us have to stand before our Savior and give an accounting as to what kind of influence we wielded. That's the whole reason I do this podcast. I'm a flawed man. I am one of those weak people. I am the weakest among among those people. I'm the weakest among you, brothers and sisters. I I am nothing special. I am not up on a ramiumptum. I am in the ocean with you. I'm holding on to to uh, you know the the life jacket here of of Christ. until he pulls me into the boat. But I know in my heart of hearts that this church is true. And because of that, and because I know how to work some of the technology that I utilize here, because I know how to capture decent uh, uh, voice quality, because I know how to produce, how to use 
you know, search words and stuff like that, because I know how to do this, how, how to run a podcast, I'm doing it. Because there might be somebody who can benefit from this, and if it benefits one person, it's absolutely worth it, 110%. Because wherever that person is in the world, there will come a time when we will meet at the feet of Christ. And if my testimony, if, if my presentations, if this podcast has, has been used by the Holy Ghost, because this by itself is nothing, it's nothing, has zero power. But when the Holy Ghost takes my effort and sanctifies it, and perhaps he can translate it, my, my ramblings, into something that can be of worth to somebody, that's what it's all about. And I will embrace that person on the other side of the veil, or perhaps even here. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when Christ is going to come back. But today is the day to choose. Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. I personally believe that time is running out. I will leave that with you, brothers and sisters. I will leave my testimony with you. And ask that the Lord will bless you. That He will bless your efforts. That He will protect you and hold you in the hollow of His hand through the craziness of our day. And as you prepare the best you can, I ask that Lord will sanctify those, those sacrifices and those preparations to your benefit. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>